99th episode is back for another installment of 99th episode. And our, our morning is started together, so thanks for texting me and I don't answer. <laughs> WTF, we were supposed to start recording an hour ago. And I think, uh, cool <laughs> Yeah, that's no worries. Yeah, um, yeah uh, so I, you know, you know something that I really love doing? Tell me, Paul. I love celebrating things. Have you recently had anything that you've had uh, uh, an occasion to celebrate? Well, there's there's a number of things to celebrate that I I can think of. Right? I can we can celebrate health. We can celebrate new additions to our family. We can celebrate family in in general. We can celebrate all the the good fortune we've had and and all those nice things in life celebrate waking up and having a french press coffee in the morning but when i think about probably the most important thing to celebrate the most important thing i mean all those other things pretty good but really the most important thing to celebrate is of course star wars i've heard of star wars yeah, I, I know you. You you taunt me <laughs> with your <laughs> lack of appreciation all the time. So let me tell you, going to a four day convention with a four month old baby is a very different experience than going to any convention any other time. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we went to Star Wars Celebration. It was just a couple weeks ago, and it'll probably have been a month or two ago by the time people here are listening to this. It's a big Star Wars convention for people that don't know. It's, I would describe it as, it's like a big convention like WonderCon or something like that, except just all Star Wars themed. And so there's a big show floor with a bunch of dealers and vendors and exhibitors, stuff like that, just like any convention has. And then there's panels that go on upstairs and... You go to the different panel rooms and see panel on this or that or the other thing. But what's really different, I think what's most different between Celebration and a regular Comic-Con is that because it's so focused just on one thing, it's focused just on Star Wars. And so as a result, the panels can be very focused. And also you it allows for panels that are more of like main event type of panels. And that's one thing that's really cool about Star Wars Celebration is that each day there's usually one headlining event that is a giant panel that takes place in a gigantic like 8,000 person arena and then gets streamed to other rooms where that hold two or 3,000 people in them. And these are big panels where they'll bring out all the movie stars and have them talk about what's coming up and the shows they're working on, the movies they're working on, they'll debut brand new trailers and stuff like that. And so all of that is pretty exciting. They had on the big kickoff panel, they had Ewan McGregor and Harrison Ford come out. They had John Williams conduct a live orchestra. It's like they put on a, a big big event to it and that's really neat and very different than a standard comic-con because there's no real single main headlining event possible for just a comic-con because comic-cons are so all over the place including 
comics and games and toys and anime and manga and you know costuming and this that and the other thing it's it's less focused so it doesn't allow like for as much big direct spectacle to it like a star wars celebration does so that was quite a bit of fun to go to that's pretty awesome you know it's you, you mentioned that I'll, I'll tease you with my apathy towards Star Wars, uh, and my apathy is great. Uh, that's not a joke. Um, I have not watched... I, I've watched a little bit of Boba Fett with my cousin. Um, I enjoyed what I watched, but I had no inclination to keep watching on my own. I uh, have not touched uh, the, the new show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is that it? Yep. I haven't seen most of the new movies, and it's not that I hate it and don't want to. I just, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of TV shows, you know? Like, I, I really don't watch a lot of TV shows. It's rare for me to get hooked into a TV show. But it, it at the same time, like, as much as I may be apathetic towards it, like, I'm jealous of that level of enjoyment that other people can get out of it. Like, I, I wish I could enjoy it like that, you know? It's like my wife has been watching Star Trek. She started uh, a watch through with the original series... She's watched through everything. She's on, I think, um, Discovery now. That's one of the new ones, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I've kind of lost track of Star Trek. Yeah, there's there's Discovery. There's Picard. I think there's another new one that's that's either about to start or just started, something like that. Um, but so it's like she has this, and she's done this watch through before, too. She's done this m- massive watch through. Like with all the stuff that I like, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like that for me. I don't have any kind of world that has that kind of scope to it that I could watch through all these things and then enjoy doing it again. You know, Mm -hmm. like I have properties that I like, like Ninja Turtles, but Ninja Turtles has never had any kind of long running serious content, you know, other than the comics, you know, like the current comic is in the hundreds of, for the main thread of the story. And then they've always had a peripheral story going to the, so there's, you know, there's probably like 250 Ninja Turtle comics out just since the IDW relaunch that are all like canon in that story, but there's no TV shows. There's the movies, like they last a couple of movies and then it's like onto a new creator pretty much, you know, when they, they get around to it. So yeah, it's like I, I'm honestly jealous of uh, the excitement that you guys get out of that. I want to clarify something. So you're telling me you don't go back and just religiously watch the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, over and over and over? No. Oh, I've man. rewatched the the first one more. I've half-assed watched the second one some. I've started the third one and not finished it. <laughs> um, I've never seen the, I think it was the 2007 computer graphics movie. Uh, I need to watch that. Like, I've heard it's good. I have seen both of the Michael Bay ones, and they were kind of like the G.I. Joe movie, where it's like, if you want to go into it and, and be entertained for the positive aspects of it, there's plenty there. If you want to be a whiny butthole about it, you could also do that. And I always choose to just enjoy things. I'm excited about this next one they have coming up because Seth Rogen is actually the one making it, uh, and he cares about what he's making. So I, you know, hopefully it'll actually be something good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It, you have all these like pockets of things. 
to watch. You know, not this like massive body of work that's all like kind of on the same level, more or less. You know. Yeah, sure. You know, one thing I've realized though is I'm starting to see the franchisiness to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's we're getting to the point where there's so much Star Wars that it's hard to have consumed it all between the movies, the TV shows, the comics, the books. It's it really is pretty difficult to keep up with it all. I think it's I mean for me it's impossible. I just I can't keep up with it all. And so it's getting to the point now where it, I feel like, oh, yeah, there's there's parts of Star Wars that I really like. And then there's other things that I just don't even really know about or care about. And that's kind of interesting to me. It's it's almost like it's growing so big and unwieldy that I can't just be a fan of the entire thing. It, mm. it really takes, like, picking and choosing what portions of it that I'm going to be a fan of yeah and you know and that makes sense too and that's that's a good example of why i if i had gotten into star wars back when it was a much smaller scope there's a chance i could have gotten into it more but now like the scope is so big it kind of like it provides more avenues to get into it but at the same time like none of those avenues are so drawing to me whereas if it was you know, like, I remember when I was a kid watching the original trilogy and being like, this is cool, you know? And then, but I was never crazy into it like some people, but I liked it. And then when the, the prequel trilogy came out, whatever you think of the quality of those movies, it was fun to be a part of that. Even without me being a huge fan, it was fun to be a part of it. Um, but then, like, just kind of the timing of it, it was probably not exactly the right time of my life to, I mean, like, when the, the uh, prequel trilogy came out, I was in high school and then getting out of high school, and um, that's when I was kind of getting less interested in the things that I had liked as a kid and more interested in, you know, interacting with people. Things you like um, as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then eventually you kind of get pulled back into it once you learn how to, like, socialize with people, basically. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like now there's just so much, and of course... If people learn to take, uh, you know, social media, talking with people on the internet in moderation, they'd be better off. Because, like, that's part of the problem, too, is everybody's like, you have to do everything and watch everything. And like, uh, I remember I that when, when I was becoming a, a fan of Valiant Comics, if you ask somebody for a suggestion, like, what should I read? Their answer was always just everything. Like, literally, that was their answer. You have to read everything. Everything is completely necessary. You cannot, like, everything is the best. And you... It's like that is no way to get people into well, something. But but to be fair, with Valiant, the whole binding ideas to Valiant always been, has been that it's a cohesive universe. And so it's the type of thing where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's, I think, part of like the design of Valiant from the original stuff in the 90s. So I guess maybe I am uh, have drunk that Kool-Aid a bit especially having been a fan since the 90s where that was one of the things that it was always very appealing to me this idea that well if i do watch everything i get this holistic view that is w- <laughs> way more meaningful than just enjoying each individual series on its own 
Yep, and that is but, exactly why I'm not a Star Wars fan. Right. <laughs> well, but but I think <laughs> and, we're, like to use Valiant getting... as the example, uh, at, at their their peak of the relaunch, they were coming out with nine books a month that were still cohesive and were actually all good to read, and they they lent into each other before they went off the walls. You know. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if you have somebody who's like, oh, I've never read this, like, what should I try? And you say, spend thirty six dollars on these nine books a month. Plus, you got to read everything that came up. You know, it's like no. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that is like sure. all right. You know, you enjoy that. I I want no piece of it. Whereas the right answer is like, I love Exo Manowar. Read that. Yeah. You know, I like Harbinger. Or I know you like this thing. I bet this series would be the one that would be most intriguing to you. Yeah, I mean the you know? the right answer to that is try Exo Manowar and try Harbinger, and you'll get the two extremes of what the Valiant Universe yeah. is about. And ironically, and, I started with Archer and Armstrong and Bloodshot, <laughs> which are probably the exact kind other of, ones. Yeah. 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 You know, it's yeah. funny when you look at those four because you get like four corners of the universe. Like you get comedy with action, you get just straight up blatant action, you get like sci fi with action, and then you get um, sci fi with kind of more serious. Drama. Yeah. yeah, drama, sci fi. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, in Star Wars, like um, The Mandalorian, I actually really enjoyed watching that when I, when I finally gave it a shot. And, mm-hmm. um, like I watched both seasons of that, and I enjoyed the whole thing. And there were a couple parts that bogged down a little bit. Like uh, I think in the second season there was an episode with freaking frogs that it was like, oh yeah, right. mm-hmm. and it was a fine episode too. But it was like it really kind of bogged it down because it wasn't as good as the other stuff around it and didn't really drive the story what? very quickly. But y- you didn't um, like the episode where they have to help the frog lady get back to her frog husband with her frog eggs that Grogu keeps eating. Oh, that's crazy, Grogu <laughs> eating the the unborn live of the poor lady they're helping. Hey, its name is Baby Yoda. Get it right. Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. <laughs> well, no, like it was an enjoyable episode, but it did stall me up on it because I was watching it and, um, and I got to that one. I was like, eh, I don't feel like finishing this right now. And then I just like let it sit there for a while. I got um, you. Yeah. And then like the Mandalorian, uh, or no, I'm sorry, not the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett. I was super excited about that. And it was good, but at the same time, it like it did. I don't know, like it it didn't draw me in as as much. But uh, anyways, I digress. Yeah. I w- I wish I had the level of enthusiasm because like it's it's awesome to be that excited about something. Um, and I do have something that I'm going to relate it to that I am that excited about, but I also don't want to derail this conversation before it's over. All right, wow, that's uh, quite a lot of willpower there. <laughs> good good self control. Um, <laughs> So you mentioned something interesting that that kind of clicked something into place about this idea that the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. And I said, yeah, with, with Valiant, that was one of the driving ideas. I think that Star Wars has gotten so big that the whole is no longer bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah, it's kind of like the core is bigger than just the, the separate pieces of the core. But then you have all of these offshoots that are yeah. nice if you like them. Yeah, and they no longer add to that core, and the core no longer adds to this side thing anymore. And so mm-hmm. it just gets big and big and big. So in some ways, I left the weekend kind of exhausted. Like, oh man, there's just so much Star Wars. Uh, I don't know what I think about this. But it, it also, on on the other hand, left me so psyched. Like, oh man, there's so much Star Wars. This is great. <laughs> you know, it was a weird... Uh, feeling there and 
The other thing that I really realized from the weekend is, so strangely enough, Star Wars fandom isn't a fandom that I have really engaged with strongly, like I have with comics or like we did with Valiant Comics in particular. For some reason, I've just kind of enjoyed it on my own and never really gotten involved, made a lot of friends, joined communities, uh, that sort of thing. I've just kind of like been just a consumer and an observer from the outside. Yeah, same thing with Moon Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so that when I go to a convention like this, I I can tell that there's tons of communities out there for this. There's like costuming communities. There's podcasting communities. There's all sorts of stuff that I'm just not really involved with. And it made me really realize it. It pointed out that you, you get as much out of fandom as you put into it, you know? And I've gotten a lot out of fandom in comics and stuff because I've made a lot of friends. So when I go to conventions, I, I see a lot of people I know and I meet new people. And it's kind of there. there is this community there that I feel a bit more a part of uh, versus Star Wars. I, I'm not really a member of any sort of community. So I'm just kind of a dude walking around and taking it all in and enjoying it. But it just kind of pointed out that like well, I think with any sort of fandom it's possible to get a lot more out of it when we put more into it and by finding communities and being involved with those communities and making friends in those communities it can really enrich that uh experience that fandom experience yeah it it can it can be a double edged sword too because you also then have to get exposed to everybody else's bs um, which I mean, we've experienced that with some of the fandoms that you've talked about. That oh, we have you're, bring, both you're bringing more. this down, Paul. No, uh, it's only well, no. good. It's only it's, good thing. <laughs> but it, the like, it's an it's it's it can be a double edged sword. But you still have the ability to choose to not engage with that side of it. And I think that that's one thing that I it took me a while to learn that is mm-hmm. if somebody's negative, you just can block them out. You know, you that doesn't. It's not a reason to not engage with the fandom either. And I, yeah, I, um, I mean, like my Ninja Turtles, for my example, I love Ninja Turtles. I have friends that are fans of Ninja Turtles also, but it wasn't they were Ninja Turtle fans and I became friends with them through that. It was just I was friends with them and you find them that you both like Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So and that was a plus. It's something to share. But like I never had the, the desire to get involved in a Ninja Turtle community because I honestly I don't care what anybody else thinks of it. I don't need to engage in further ways to enjoy it. But there are other things that I do want to engage in further ways to enjoy it. So I think it can kind of be too, like you can love star Wars and you, the extent of it can be that you want to experience it on your own, you know, or you can like love it to the extent that you want to, you know, dress up and get to know other people who dress up. So you can work together on getting better at that. Cause it's, it's kind of like taking it and expressing it in another way of something that you like, like, you know, cosplayers do amazing things. And it's, it's really cool to see, like when you do see cosplayers that interact with each other and they help each other get better at what they're doing. Like, even if you know nothing about cosplaying, you don't care about cosplaying, just seeing people do that is cool. You know, that's one thing that there was a, a ton of at star Wars because star Wars has a huge culture of costuming. It's not like, I feel like with comics, it's still kind of treated as an offshoot to comics appreciation. 
uh, you, you know, I feel like there's people in comics that are like, oh, you, you just like to cosplay. Oh, the real fans read the books, blah, 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 stupid, stupid, whatever. But with Star Wars, it's costuming is like a, a core way that people express that fandom, which is neat to see. And there's just tons and tons of really great costumes that people do at Star Wars Celebration. Enough so that it, it made me think, man, I... I really need to like get my Jedi costume together so I can I can go to Star Wars Celebration and dress up like a Jedi too. So that that was a, another fun aspect of it. One of the coolest experiences I've had with something like that was um, years ago now in Wells, Maine. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird were together for a signing. They had done one like just before, and I believe it was for the 30th anniversary of Ninja Turtles. Maybe it was the 35th. I can't remember exactly. But um, they had not done anything together in a very long time because they don't like each other. Yeah. And it was so it was them. And it was Steve Levine. It was his shop. He's one of the guys who worked on the original stuff. And Jim Lawson, uh, also one of the guys who worked on the original stuff. And so we get there early. Even getting there hours early, we were probably like, I don't know, 20th in line or something like that. My buddy and I. And... We were behind this guy. Everybody's kind of chit-chatting. It was actually cool, like, getting talking to people. You know, where like, a lot of people came from out of state for that because it was such a rare thing. And I don't think it's ever happened since then and probably never will again. The the guy in front of us, like, after a bit, he asks us if we mind keeping his spot so he can go switch with his wife who's in the van with their kids so she can go get coffee. So we're like, oh, yeah, no problem. So he goes, his wife comes over and thanks us and asks if we wanted anything. We had gotten coffee on the way. So we're like, oh, no, no, we're good. So then she goes, gets coffee. Uh, you know, the other one comes back. Like, the reason they have to swap off is their four kids are in the van. So we get to know these people a little bit and they show us stuff. They, like, they're huge Ninja Turtle fans. They have four kids and they show us a picture of them cosplaying as they, their kids are the four turtles. The guy's Vern and the, the mom's April. And it was just, ah, like, so cool. It was really cool. good cosplay, too. But, uh, like, it was really cool connecting with people, like, one that just really enjoyed a similar thing. But they, like, they were so kind, too. It's like they were just nice people. They were pleasant people to talk to and get to know a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, like, that. that's the biggest I've had an experience like that because I haven't been able to go to many cons or anything. But, yeah, I mean, like, when you get to engage with people that way and it's the focus is on the positivity, it's just it's such a good thing. Yeah, and I think for the most part, Star Wars tends to be a fairly positive vibe. So that was a it was a really great experience to to be there. And luckily, little Max was a trooper the entire time. He he only had one meltdown on Saturday night. He just started wailing and crying for about an hour in the hotel room. That was another thing we we actually got a hotel down there so that. We didn't have to drive back and forth just because we knew with, with the baby that was going to be a nightmare if we're trying to drive back and forth every day, getting ready to go, packing up at the end of the day, going and all that. So we, we just got a hotel, and he just did fantastic. So Awesome. I mean, that's pretty good considering you had three meltdowns on your own, you know? I know. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> unfortunately grown men throwing tantrums with related to star wars is not a unheard of thing so (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome like i i I enjoyed seeing your your pictures tweeted out about it and stuff like that It's, it's good to see you enjoy that yeah it does make me though think about maybe getting a costume together we realized after the weekend was over that we should have dressed up as young Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru with baby Luke Skywalker 
from the end of episode three when Obi-Wan Kenobi shows up and says, hey, here's a baby. <laughs> but <laughs> we we didn't put that together until uh, after the show. But that would have been a really fun uh, costume to do. Nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so I miss so many of the things you just talked about related to what, what I'm going to bring up about something that, that I do enjoy to that level. Uh, albeit it's a little bit different. So you talked about how Star Wars has grown into such a, like a franchise type of deal where there's so many offshoots that just kind of are less necessary. You know, I, Marvel kind of feels the same way too. It's like uh, when the, the movies were first coming out, like everything felt so important. And now it's like there's so much stuff that less and less feels important. And it's just kind of like I prefer to pick and choose what I want now, you know? Yeah, you know what? Uh, related to that, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sidetracking us. I saw something that like Kevin Feige, the guy who runs Marvel Studios, was thinking about having like a Marvel Studios celebration con, which just sounds like so miserable to me <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> like I get really excited about the idea of Star Wars celebration, but like Marvel movies celebration just feels like oh oh man, such a slog. When you think about it, like, I think because, you know, we have been fans of, like, comic properties for so long, and, I mean, for me, honestly, like, I've been a fan of comics less than the length of time that I've watched the movies, um, and, I don't know, but, so when was the first Iron Man movie, like, around 2000? 2000, no, like, 2007 or 2008. Okay, so it's been okay, a little less than I thought, but still, we're coming up on twenty years, and this world has now built for uh, okay, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. Fifteen years, yeah, <laughs> you know, 15 we're years, like yeah. fourteen right now, fourteen or fifteen years right now. That's a pretty long time for a world to have continually been built. So I mean, that uh, it's getting to where you can see it a little bit more. The difference: Star Wars has been built for fifty years, almost yeah, forty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's not as outlandish as it seems, although, like, you know, the guy in charge of it all being like, yeah, we should celebrate me is, all, you know, maybe pushing a little bit. Yeah, it, it just, I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I can't quite pinpoint why I, I feel so differently about Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe because it is just still new and going on, and it feels... Uh, I don't know. At this point, it just feels like this big machine than something unique and really special like it did when that first Avengers movie was coming out. Yeah. And I mean, Star Wars is definitely not a machine now run by, um, you know, Disney that also owns Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a different totally type of different you see it's it, there's tiny differences in the machine <laughs> that make it totally different there's there's just the smidgen of differences yes so uh if i had to think about what's something that that i enjoy on that great of a level that i like i just i want to consume it when it's consumable and i always look forward to it there is one thing that has been that way for, I don't know, I guess maybe a year since I've really been all in on it, uh, and that's AEW Wrestling. I've liked mm-hmm. wrestling for a long time. I, I watched it as a kid. I stopped watching it for a very long time, uh, and then I got back into it uh, when we were moving to Maine. Uh, my wife's cousin, he became a friend of mine. He's a huge wrestling fan. And when I moved to Maine, I started watching WWE again. And I hadn't watched it in a long time, so I had all this stuff I had never seen to check out. And 
WWE is very much like kind of what you're saying about how Star Wars feels like this kind of franchise thing that's getting like oversaturated. And I was getting to the point a couple years ago where even with having free access to it, because you could watch all the like the live events and stuff like that on it's now on Peacock. Um, but like tonight is hell in a cell. You can watch that and all you have to do is pay 10 bucks a month for Peacock. It gives you access to all this other stuff too. It's just an add on to Peacock basically. If anybody doesn't know, that's NBC's streaming service. But like a couple, as of a couple years ago, it's like I just, everything was feeling so diluted and, you know, stuff was like kept in a way, stuff was being done in a way not to make a great entertaining product, but to make the most money off this entertaining product, you know? Mm, okay there's different desires different people like different things there's plenty of people who love what they're doing and that's fine uh but i i was losing interest and then a, a couple three i guess uh three years ago now aw started and they didn't have a tv show for the first while so they'd had they had like a couple pay-per-views so it's kind of like you know keeping track of what's going on a little bit at that time i was like why would i spend you know 50 bucks or sh- even split spending 50 bucks to watch a pay-per-view when i could watch all the wwe's for free basically you know mm-hmm. and um then as time went on they eventually they started their their first tv show dynamite that's on wednesday nights and it's a two-hour wrestling show and but i i didn't have cable and you had to have cable to watch it because it was at that time it was on tnt now it's on tbs and I was like, I'm not going to spend freaking ridiculous amounts of money on cable to watch this. Like, that's too much money. Cable's ridiculous, by the way, in case you didn't know that. And I've heard rumors. Yeah. Then I started going to my cousin's house. He only lives five minutes away from me. So I started going to my cousin's house every Wednesday to watch it. And that became a thing of like, I don't want to miss this. I got to go every Wednesday. And then when a Wednesday would come up that uh, either he wasn't there to watch it or, like, you know, the uh, I couldn't go, I would miss it. And uh, then eventually they launched a second TV show that's on Friday nights. So I was like, all right, I love this. I want to watch it all the time. This is literally the thing I most look forward to and enjoy the most. Like, there's plenty of things I enjoy. I, I've never been the type that just, like, I like this one thing and that's all of my things. You know, it's like, I like video games some. I like reading comics or manga some. I like reading novels. I like, you know, sports. I definitely diversify a lot in what I enjoy. But this one thing, I was like, this is the thing that I don't want to miss. And so I poked around to try to find different ways to be able to watch it and the best the, the most affordable way to watch it is with sling you can pay 35 bucks a month for one of their two options of streaming and it covers what i need for that and that still feels like a ridiculous price i'm spending 35 bucks a month for three hours a week of wrestling and usually two of those i go to my cousin's house to watch anyways mm-hmm. but that's just how much i, I don't want to miss it you know and now, like, we get every pay-per-view. So if it's just me and him watching, we split that, and it's like, I don't know, 25 bucks each. So, like, that's not cheap. Added on top of it, and they do, like, four a year. Usually we can get, like, at least one other person there, so then it's, you know, diluted a little bit more in the cost. But, like, I don't want to miss it. Like, I, I like it's that, that level for me of just I love everything about it. I want to see what's coming out. You know, like with wrestling, a lot of it is the the storylines and the surprise moments and stuff like that um, that you get watching episodic stuff. And I, like, I don't get that from TV shows anymore. Like, I I don't care enough about any TV show, with uh, the rare exception. Um, so that's my big thing. Like, I absolutely love it. We went. Um, my cousin 
and another friend of his bought tickets to see AEW live before the pandemic started. Then the pandemic pushed back the date of their event by, I think, like a year and a half before they, they finally had it. And by the time that came about, like, I was a big fan and I was very jealous that I couldn't go, you know? And uh, so they went, they had a great time. But I told my cousin, I said, the next time they're going to be in Massachusetts, which is like the closest realistic place for us to go, like, I'm in. I don't care what it costs, I'm in. So they came back. It cost us 100 bucks to get some pretty pretty good tickets. It wasn't down on the floor level, but it was like the first seats off the floor. So you had an unobstructed view. You're plenty close enough to see it great. And it it's literally the best event I've ever had done in my life. Like nothing wow. has been that like I've been to to concerts. Um, I've been to, you know, sporting events. I like this this was the the most enjoyable thing I've ever done. Wow. Incidentally, okay. some stuff fell in place. So like right before it, AEW bought a, a smaller company called Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And Ring of Honor had already announced this pay-per-view they were going to do. And, and AEW, like the owner of AEW, Tony Khan, like he he still put it on. Uh, and it was a really good show. My cousin got... Uh, Ring of Honor has their own streaming service for like 10 bucks a month. And you can watch the pay-per-views if you have it. They don't have them as often as WWE or whatever. But he spent 10 bucks for a month of that so we could watch it. And it was great. And one of the matches in it, which was the whole reason we got it, was uh, an AEW tag team named FTR... They used to wrestle in WWE as the revival and like, they're just the, like everything that's great about wrestling for the sake of wrestling. Like they want to be good wrestlers. They want to like make good matches, you know, and this match that they had, uh, the, the guys they wrestled were the ring of honor tag team champions, the Briscoes. And they were like, they're with another company. So like that was pretty much going to be their last match they put on an amazing match ftr won the match won the championships and it was great at the end of the match though this other tag team the young bucks who uh they are also part of the operations of AEW. like they're part of the, the the group of people that found it um they came out at the end of the match attacked the briscoes and then ftr came out and challenged them to a match and they accepted and this was the weekend before the show we were going to so they they main evented the, the TV show of the show that we were going to. So we got to see a match that was like a dream match for us to see. And then there was another match because the, the show that we went to, like they recorded their Wednesday show, they recorded their Friday show. And before all that, they recorded, they put on some YouTube shows also to like get exposure for some of the developing talent. So we got like the dream main event for the one show. The best thing we could have hoped for just coincidentally was the one that we were going to. And then um, the main event of the, the show that was for Friday night ended up being this amazing career-making match for somebody. So it just like, I mean, everything was just, uh, it was awesome. So that's the thing that I feel that way about right now. Like, I, I don't want to miss any AEW TV show, pay-per-view. And that's where pretty, you know, pretty much where I, that, like, that's the one thing I consistently give my attention to. So let me ask some questions because the, maybe cynic isn't the right word. Maybe the, non-true believer is is the right word looking from the outside as not a fan wrestling seems like a bunch of men and women in really silly outfits having fake fights and being overly dramatic in a almost comical way 
So it seems like comics, and it seems like Star Wars, and um, what else do you like? <laughs> well, saying it's like Star Wars, that's crazy talk. <laughs> it's it's storytelling. It's just like those other things. It's storytelling. Like, it's... Uh, uh, kayfabe is gone. Kayfabe was the term for, like, may, you know, pretending everything was real. And, you know, there was a time before where everything was portrayed as real. And, you know, uh, I mean, if... If you were a wrestler and, like, a fan started stuff with you, you'd beat the shit out of them. You know, it's like, because you had to protect this as being real, you know? That's gone because everybody knows it isn't anymore. But how you portray the story still matters. So, like, you have wrestlers that portray what, like, you know, just like with anything else you do. If you watch a movie, you're not like, oh, my God, this is real. This guy can, you know, swing on a web and, you know, like, you know it's not Mm -hmm. real, but you suspend the obvious fakeness of things to enjoy it right so they're not trying to have an illusion of it being real in any way they're just full-on embracing the this isn't real and this is just entertaining storytelling more or less like you know it's not real but they still like it when you're acting if you're in a movie and you're an actor like you're acting like it's real sure you still act like it's real. i'm gonna swing on a web now you know it's like no it's it's you're you're portraying it as real and there's gonna be different levels of everything like there's different things in wrestling that you know aren't real like in so there are certain moves that like they, they'll be really cool looking but i'm not a big fan of those moves because the only way they happen is like it you can't even think that this is possible without both guys working together one move is called the spanish fly where both guys will be up on the top rope and the guy facing away from the ring is the guy delivering the move and both guys flip over into the ring so the guy delivering the move is, is flipping backwards the other guy's flipping forwards and then, like, they land together. So, like, you know, the the guy on the bottom is the one that gets hurt by the move. It's, like, you can't force somebody to flip with you like that. Like, it's obviously something, like, it's hard for me to suspend disbelief with that. So, like, it has to be done really well for me to not kind of be bothered by that move. There's a couple other moves like that. But it's also tasting. Some people love that stuff because it's a cool display of things that you don't normally get to see people do. Um... But I like my favorite stuff, and this is why I like AEW. And I like I I'm not even watching most of WWE stuff anymore. Um, like it'll be something that sometimes I passively put on because they're very much more into the silly, dramatic storytelling and and less realism. But some of the guys in AEW in particular, like they they really beat the hell out of each other. Like you know they. There, there's different styles of wrestling, and, and AEW has more of the styles that I like that'll be stiffer, and people are, you know, really kicking each other's butts, and um, submission wrestling, and mat wrestling, and, like, my favorite wrestler, and I've, like, kind of reflecting on it, he's my favorite active wrestler out of everybody, is this guy named uh, Brian Danielson, and in when he was in WWE, he was Daniel Bryan, and he was not the prototypical anything, but he got himself over so big with the crowd that some of the things that he did are just like they're in the normal lexicon of everything now. Um, Like he was the one that started the yes chant that you see all over the place, you know, Um, people chanting yes and, you know, pointing their two hands up in the air. And that, that was him. He got himself over to the point where like they couldn't deny him. And he ended up becoming a world champion being a, a small, you know, 200 pound vegan, uh, you know, getting over 
uh, more than guys that weighed a hundred pounds more than him and were full of muscles like he doesn't have and stuff like that because of the work that he did. So I, I, I always like, I relate so much to wrestling because wrestling really is about just the basics of what is good storytelling and what's not. Like you have to be able to perform what you're doing, but then storytelling is storytelling and it's the same in, in any kind of medium. And it's, it's cool to see it in professional wrestling because it's live. Like even if the television show isn't live, like when you're wrestling in a ring in front of a crowd, it's live. Even if it's recorded and you're watching it later, you can't, you're not, you know, recording scenes and then cutting them together and redoing them and stuff like that. Like it's all out there. Get second takes. Yeah, exactly. So how you handle stuff, like if you, if you screw up a move, if you react like you just screwed something up and keep going, that's good because that's, that's realism. If you force through doing a move that you screwed up anyways and pretending you didn't screw it up, it feels very fake, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it it takes you out of it. But yeah, I mean, there's just like with anything else, there's all different types of things that people like. Uh, and it's totally fine for them to, you know, some people like other, you know, aspects of wrestling that I don't care as much for. But it's like when it's good, it's good. And you see people do amazing things and... Um, I think uh, part of the reason why I like it so much and I've grown to uh, to really be invested in it again is when people are truly passionate about something they do, whatever it is, you cannot care about that thing, not know anything about it. But when you see somebody act with true pra- true passion and create the best thing that they can create, you can be in awe, awe of that, even if it, you weren't just already a fan of it, you know, mm-hmm. for example. Years ago, I lived with a friend of mine and his family, and uh, I ended up actually living in a motorhome in their backyard for a while. And so, like, when I woke up in the morning, and this was in California, at least, so it was not, like, freezing in Maine. But when I woke up in the morning, it'd be cold, and I could either sit inside and watch NASCAR with his his stepdad, or I could just be bored somewhere or be out in the cold. So I, I watched NASCAR. I didn't care about NASCAR, but watching it and seeing people who are excellent at what they do do their thing if you're paying attention to it like you can't help but start to respect what they're doing and start to understand it some and honestly if you if you're not at that point it's just because you're choosing to be a jerk you know you're, you're choosing to disregard somebody's work basically yeah like seeing people just just truly love what they do and do their best to be excellent at it is is wonderful and especially now today with with podcasts being so prevalent you can get to know these different people on a much more personal level than you ever would be able to because they could go on podcasts and they tell their stories you know so that's that's why it it seems to me like a lot of the storytelling and wrestling is basically who's friends with who and who's enemies with who and everyone jockeying position for who's going to be the champion or something like that or who's going to get revenge on somebody else for something they did it's all like s- stories focused on on that is that kind of right yeah i mean essentially and like all those different things are are present at different times and with different people like that we just there was just an aw pay-per-view um uh was it just last weekend or was the weekend before it was just i think it was just last weekend actually just last weekend there was an aw pay-per-view and some of the matches in the pay-per-view were big personal revenge feuds coming to a head some were just championship matches uh, some were just matches, you know? So it's like you have a variety of different things, and um, 
it's structured like one thing that's cool about AEW is they actually they talk about people's records. They talk about the importance of records and winning and losing. Whereas in WWE, they just don't pay attention to any of that. So, like, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to anything. And they'll have somebody that they make a champion, and then they'll just lose to everybody without losing their championship in matches that don't matter. So they just, it's called burying somebody. They'll just bury somebody because they just don't care about building them. But you have to build people up for for the fans to care, for the fans to want to see them and, and see them succeed, or to, to see them fail, too. Like, a big part of wrestling is heels, the bad guys. So you want the the bad guys to you know make the fans despise them so that way as they keep on cheating and and doing shady stuff to to win you hate them more and you hate them more and then they finally get their comeuppance and and it, it feels great to see that pay off you know to see somebody get what's coming to them so you have like those angles you have people that are just i just want to be a champion and i'm just competing for that like, this last pay-per-view ended with uh, the champion, Hangman Adam Page, defending against CM Punk. CM Punk, there's a lot of uh, a lot behind him, too. He quit wrestling. He, he left wrestling for seven years, and he came back to AEW because he saw that he could actually, like, pursue his passion instead of just being the cog in, in a machine, WWE, that didn't give two shits about anybody, you know? So they built up this this angle between the two. Like CM Punk was in that match because he he was number one contender from winning matches. He worked his way up to it, and so then they start building the angle between the two. You know, so you you build more heat with it, and then the match was great. And going into it, I didn't want Hangman to lose because I thought he still had legs in his run, and I like both of them. But when CM Punk won it, and you saw just the the actual emotion wash over his face, it's like it, it was it was an amazing moment. You know, it's like when they're really passionate about it. it doesn't matter that he knew before the match he was going to win. When it actually happened, all that comes out. This job that they did together came out. You know, hmm. um, but yeah, it is essentially the things that you said. Like you think of it somewhat as a sporting contest, people competing to win the championship, just like in in any other sport. You know, a football team is competing to win games throughout the season to get to the playoffs to win their way to win the the championship for that year. You know, in in wrestling, you should care about that. You should care about who's the champion and um, who's trying to get to that point and stuff like that. You, everybody has characters, so you, you have characters that you like or you dislike. Um, and it's not as easy as just, like, who's a good guy or a bad guy, because somebody could be a good guy and be boring. Somebody could be a bad guy, and you could really like them. One of the people who I love in AEW is Eddie Kingston, and he's been more often to portrayed more as a bad guy, but he's one of those guys also that's kind of in the middle. Like, he has his friendships, he has the people he doesn't like, and it can cross both ways. And... The, right, the reason that people love Eddie Kingston is he is so honest in his approach to everything. He is great at delivering a promo, so like talking on a mic. He's great at, at talking about what's going on. But he's so honest and passionate about what he's doing. And, and it's just like what he says and what he does is amazing. So it's for him, like he, he's good in the ring, but he has his style that's not going to be for everybody. But he's... It's hard not to love him for who he is and what he puts into stuff. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, what you said is true, but just like with anything else, like, you build those connections. Just like with with Star Wars, you're going to have 
the characters that you really love. And you're going to have characters that are just benign or characters that you're supposed to like, but annoy you. You know, it's like Jar Jar Binks, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was meant to, to be popular cause he's fun and stuff, but most people hate him because he's cheesy and stupid and obvious. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's the same thing with wrestling. Like you, you watch it, you get into the stories, but then you have the, like the combination of the performance of what they're doing in the ring coupled with the characters and the storytelling interesting so yeah because for me the the idea of it being storytelling beyond just conflict storytelling of who's friends with who's who's enemies with who's 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 betraying who who's sneak attacking who like to me that's what it seems like the storytelling is like those sorts of things it feels from an outside perspective it feels limiting versus star wars one of the things i like about it is just there are so many different stories that are told in the universe there's so much variety to the stories that i can choose my own meaning so to speak and find my own meaning in uh in the stories by just you know looking at the variety of storytelling and kind of extracting the meaning that i want out of that storytelling does yeah. that make sense yeah. i i think there that you can relate that like there's the same there's those same elements in wrestling too like, I could talk about Star Wars and downgrade it to the same basic levels of things that you could say about wrestling. It's easier to do it with something that you're less knowledgeable about, too, because you don't have the, you know, like, that is your perspective on it. You know, you have this narrowed perspective on it because that's all, all you know about it. And, you know, relating it to sports is a really good example. Some people just casually watch sports. They want to know if their team wins or loses, and that's it. And if their team wins a championship, then cool. You know, they're excited about that. I'm a the way I am as a sports fan is like I'm invested in my team so I get invested in the players and like this year the Lakers they were bad anyways they didn't make the playoffs because they did stupid things but I had no investment in them as a team because they gutted everybody that I cared about basically they had like the two superstars the team was built around and a bunch of like tired old guys that you know they're their future hall of famers but they're done and there was nobody to love. They got rid of the one person I really loved, Alex Caruso, who may not have been the best player on the team, but, like, he had the heart, you know? But then, like, with the 49ers uh, in football, uh, they got to the NFC Championship after having a year where they should have just fallen apart. And the reason I was so invested in them is because I got to to know more about a lot of the players on the team and see them put their heart into those games and see who they were as people. So I was more invested, and it meant much more to me. And it was it was very upsetting when they lost, even though they went so much further than they ever should have with how the year went for them, you know? Um, so, it, like, with anybody, you can approach anything that way. And, you know, with Star Wars, that's part of the reason why I'm not a giant Star Wars fan, is, like, I can see it for more of the surface-level stuff. And I understand the other stuff is there, but I just nothing is drawing me in that way. There's no characters that I'm like, oh, I, I want to feel more connected to this person. I gotcha. Yeah, because like for me with Star Wars, I can see how you could look at it as just kind of a story about rebels versus the Empire, good guys versus bad guys, uh, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, and who wins and who loses at the end. But for me, like at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Luke is fighting Darth Vader. He realizes that it's still his father and that he's dangerously close to following in his footsteps. And then he decides to throw away his lightsaber and basically say, 
I am not going to follow this path. And even if I have to sacrifice myself for it, I'm going to stand up for what I believe is true, which is that my father is ultimately a good person and that I believe in that so much that I'm going to ready to die on that hill. Uh, you know, literally, that's where I get a whole lot of meaning out of that story. And so that just like, that really like hits me. And in terms of and it's like stuff like that, that I've really attached to, to get a lot of them, what Star Wars means to me. Yeah, so this isn't as emotionally media of an example, but it's a recent one that'll serve to illustrate the, the similarities. So like that's what you would call a swerve. You're surprised by this something not being what you expected it to be, and then you see how the person that you care about reacts to it. So in the championship match I just talked about, there was a lot of heat between the two, and this this match was a long, hard fought match. And then towards the end, the referee got knocked out, which you know they get knocked out really easy in wrestling sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hangman goes out, grabs his championship, and he goes in. And he's gonna bash CM Punk in the head with it to to win the match because he can't finish him off. You know, they, it just keeps going. So he gets in there and he's holding it ready to do it. But then, like, you see him, like, he starts to stop. And then he thinks about what he's doing and what he's representing if he does that. Is that how he wants to behave? Is that how he wants to win? So he throws his belt down and then walks into CM Punk's finisher and loses the match. So he didn't mm. lose because of a distraction. He lost because he distracted himself by doing something that was against his nature. And then he fought with himself to not do it but that left the opening for him to lose the match interesting okay and that that's not even i mean there have been instances like that in wrestling where it'll be it builds up the emotion so much more like i wouldn't say that that's the best example of a hugely emotional instance but it's a good example of the same type of storytelling where you you see the inner conflict that's going on you know the, the decision between right and wrong you see somebody that you respect as somebody who makes the right choices and does the right things choosing the dark side but then fighting against it when they really think about what they're doing, you know? Hmm. Okay. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Because I, I think if I was watching that match, I wouldn't see that at all. Right. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. You would ha you, you have to get, you have to build the investment. Well, I think that right there is like the key takeaway here. And I think is kind of the punctuation mark at the end of what we've been talking about is like that the things we're fans of we're fans of because we build that investment in them yeah. and we can choose when and how to build that investment. And that's, but it's, I think ultimately that investment that gives things meaning. And so I think that that's, it's, it's cool that just to, to realize that and that it, it makes attachment to these things feel much more personal. And it also feels kind of, empowering in a way where I get to decide what things mean to me. I don't have to be at the mercy of feel like, oh, they betrayed me with the story or blah, 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 because I get to decide what things mean to me and not vice versa. So I think uh, we're running close on time. So I was thinking that could be our punctuation mark on this episode. Uh, anything you've got? To add to that, yeah, I think this is a good stopping spot. Um, I, you know, I think like we use examples that are personal to us, but it's a really good example of you know a lot of times people will be dismissive of what somebody else likes because they don't 
they don't feel the same way about it. You know, they, it's easy to disregard. And we see it less now because more stuff has been embraced. So like you're, you're not an outcast if you're a fan of comic books and want to see Spider-Man in the theaters or like now it's just like a normal thing to do. So people are more understanding of it, but there's still like niches and stuff where people are, you know, if you don't understand it, you just want to dismiss it and be like, I'll look at this stupid crap they're into. Um, and it just like, this is a really good example of you, you have to invest in anything, and if you're, you could, you could invest yourself in anything and find that level of of passion, um, and get the reward. And we all need that. So, like, respecting other people's uh, passions, even if it doesn't seem worthwhile to you, is important. You know, like the more we support each other to 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 be able to express ourselves in those ways, like the that's something that's needed for each individual to like to have you know health in their well being. Cool. Well, I think that that's just the the right place to end this one. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. You know where to find more. If you found this one, you can find my friend Paul at Twitter at Who's Paul. And you can find me there at Bad Deacon. And come say hi to us and try to make Twitter less of a cesspool. (laughs) For lack of better words. And go and enjoy the things you enjoy however you see fit.